everybody. Thanks for tuning in this morning. So glad that you're uh, on this journey with us here at Grace Hill Church. You know, last week we started a brand new series called First Thing First. And we were in this passage that we're going to be in today as well in First John uh, chapter 4. And last week we talked about this idea that the first thing we have to have right in our life is the understanding that God loved us first. First thing first, God loved us first. But you know, the reality is this, is that that love that we receive from God, the undeserved love that we've received from God, it changes us. It changes our lives. And specifically, it changes our love. It changes who we love and it changes how we love. You see, what we need to understand today as we begin this message, uh, this part two of this message series, what we need to understand about biblical love, and we need to get this right in our life, is this, is that biblical love is sacrificial, and biblical love is often surprising. I want to say that again so you can write it down. Biblical love is sacrificial, and biblical love is often surprising. Now see, if we misunderstand love, if we misplace love, if, if we don't get this part right as followers of Jesus, what we can oftentimes end up in is a sense of a, of a transactional love. Whereas if you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. If you love me in this way, then I'll love you back. Or we can get into uh, another scenario where culture now has basically just said for years that love is a feeling, is an emotion that we express. And for those of us who are in relationship with a spouse, that means we can come into that feeling and we can go out of that feeling as well. You see, if we end up getting this wrong, we can be like the old country song from Johnny Lee. Uh, we can be find ourselves looking for love in all the wrong places. And so today what I hope to try to do is give us a framework, a biblical framework for this sacrificial and often surprising love. And so we're gonna be in 1 John chapter four and then we're gonna move over to Luke 10 and look at a parable that Jesus told to, to give a demonstration of this love. So if you've got your scripture, you can turn with me to 1 John chapter four and we're gonna look at a couple of verses there and move over to Luke 10. Uh, last week we started with this verse and, and we're gonna just kind of camp out on it for a minute. Uh, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, the apostle John, the one that was with Jesus, he wrote these words and he said this, Beloved, let us love one another. Why? For love is of God. Now, the, the Greek phrase here, if you literally took the Greek and just straight translated it out, it says this, it translates out like this. It says this, those who are loved, let us love. Those who are loved, let us love. We love one another, why? Because God loved us and he loved us first before we even had the ability to love. We have received that love and now we have the opportunity to live and to love in light of that love. You see, John wrote about the idea of love numerous times. Some of the most famous words of Jesus, when Jesus said, I give you a new commandment in John chapter 13. John, John, this theme of love even comes up multiple times in this letter in 1 John. He writes about it in 1 John 2, uh, 9 through 11, and chapter 3, verses 10 through 18. This idea of loving one another, it, it is so mission critical and centric to the life of those of us who are followers of Jesus. 
Jesus. John is trying to get at this idea. Those who have received God's love, let us love. Let us love one another. You know, oftentimes we can find ourselves, you know, loving others, uh, but kind of restricting that context. Loving, you know, our spouse, loving our kids, maybe loving some extended family or loving a very good friend very, very deeply and very, very closely. But, but that is not necessarily the context that John is writing here. John is writing here in a broader sense. He's writing to the family of God and to the people of God to love each other, to love one another. You know, and love has, has so been distorted, hasn't it? We can often uh, think about love in terms of, you know, if I could just find the right person or in a broader context, maybe we would say, you know, uh, if, if I would love people as long as those people share the same ideas, values, or beliefs that I have. But what John is saying here is he's saying this, guys, gals, come on, let's get with this. Let's get with the program because we have been so loved in this sacrificial and so surprising of a way that God loved us first. He's saying, come on, let's love one another because we have been loved by God in this life-changing way and because we are loved first in this life-changing way and because we are now followers of Jesus, John is urging, he's pleading. It's, it's almost as if he just keeps banging this drum that we need to love each other no matter who the others may be. And he ends this section by reiterating his point, this theme of so many verses in 1 John. He ends this section by this, this verse in, uh, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 11. He says this, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, if you highlight in your Bibles or circle something in your Bible, you should circle the word ought here. He, he's, it's as if he's saying, guys, because we've received this love from God, this, this sacrificial, surprising love from God, guys, we, we, we ought to love one another. You see, God did not hold his love back from you. Therefore, we should not hold this sacrificial, surprising love back from one another. God did not base his love uh, for you on what we could do for him. Matter of fact, Ephesians 2 says that while we were yet sinners, he gives this idea that we were dead in our trespasses and sin is what Paul writes in Ephesians 2. That, that we could not do anything to earn or to receive God's love, but God freely gave us his love. That because of that, we should not base our love on what others can do for us. God's love, the way that he loved us both sacrificially and in this surprising way, that we should find ways in return to love others in similar fashion, both in sacrificial ways and in surprising ways. 
And Jesus gave us a picture of this. Both himself, physically, he gave us a picture of this. But he, but he told a parable, he told a story of this sacrificial and surprising love that a very unsuspecting person had for an individual. In Luke 10, he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, many of us are familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan. What we may not be familiar with, though, is the context of the Good Samaritan. And so I want to take just a minute and I want to first look at the context, because if we understand the context of where Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan, it might have a little bit more impact on us and it might be a little fresh today for us in our life. And then we're going to take just a minute or two and actually look at some of the details of why Jesus told this story of the Good Samaritan. You see, in Luke 10, there's a lawyer that comes to Jesus, and he asks a a very self-serving question, uh, but he's come to Jesus to test him and asking him this very self-serving question, but here's a very honest question as well. And so he comes to Jesus, and so if you look with me in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25, listen to what he says. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer came, uh, a, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? As if somehow or another this all fell on him. He wanted to make sure that he had done enough and that if there was anything else he needed to do, that he was going to get that in order. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, This is Jesus saying back to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it. So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he, Jesus, said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. And the lawyer went on his way, didn't ask Jesus any more questions, and felt good about himself. No, that's not what happened, was it? What, is, what happens here? It's, I have to imagine if we dropped into this scene, then it's almost like the religious leaders that were gathered around Jesus in this moment probably felt pretty good about themselves up until this moment. And then, you know, Larry the lawyer or whatever his name was, you know, just had to take it that step further. He just couldn't let it rest, could he? What did he say back to him? He said this, but he, wanting to justify himself, It's a key word. It's an important word for us to understand this morning. He wanted to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? The lawyer here wanted to make sure that he had enough in the right side of the ledger, in the column of love, and wanted to make sure that who he had been loving were the right people. And so he comes to Jesus And he figured that he had obeyed the first commandment good enough. He just wanted to make sure that he had obeyed the second one enough as well. And he wanted to make sure that he had clarity from Jesus on defining who his neighbor was. Isn't that the question, if we're honest, we so often ask? You know, hey, I'll love. I'll love as long as I know that I'm loving the right people. As long as I'm loving the people that are the easiest in my life to love, I'll love. But we honestly probably need to take a look at the question that the lawyer asked and say and try to answer the question, you know, who is my neighbor? How does Jesus define who our neighbor is? Well, he gives him that answer. 
And he begins by telling a story. And I'll be honest, this was probably a question that the lawyer regretted asking after Jesus gave him the answer. Why? Because Jesus goes in and begins to tell him the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, just as a refresher, we're not going to read it all here, but just as a refresher, it's the story of a Good Samaritan. And it's about a man who gets beaten and robbed and left for dead. And the Good Samaritan comes along, but he comes along after a priest and a Levite show up, which to be honest, kind of sounds like the beginning of a really bad joke, doesn't it? And the priest and the Levite, they walk by the man that's beaten down and left for dead, and they avoid him, and they ignore him. But in this Jewish setting, Jesus takes the Samaritan, as we have now coined the Good Samaritan, and Jesus takes this outcast by Jewish society and drops a man who is an outcast into the center of the story as the hero and says, this is what it looks like to love your neighbor. Now, it's interesting that the man that was robbed and beaten and left for dead, we don't know anything about him. We don't know what his background was. We don't know if he was poor, if he was wealthy. We don't know anything about that. All we know is this, that this man found himself in a spot, in a very, very bad spot. And there were three people who had an opportunity to love this man, to make a difference in this man's life. One of them did, two of them did not. And Jesus begins to tell this story and it's interesting that, that as the Good Samaritan you know, puts bandages on this man and puts him on his animal and takes him to a nearby inn, pays for the man's room and board and tells the innkeeper, hey, if there's anything I owe you when this is all done, I'll come back and square up with you later. Isn't it interesting that the Good Samaritan doesn't ask anything from the man in return? He doesn't. He doesn't ask one thing. You see, the good Samaritan understood something powerful, that, that as Jesus told the story, Jesus was communicating something powerful about love. That love, when it is best expressed in humanity, between humanity and for humanity, it is rooted in this understanding of this, that every single person in this world when love is expressed sacrificially and surprisingly, that every single person who is in this world, that has been created, that is on this planet, is made in the image of God. Every person that walks this earth is made in the image of God. Every person who has ever been born is made in the image of God. Every person who has ever lived has been made in the image of God. And because of that, every person, no matter what they return, give, or do for us, should be loved and loved both sacrificially and surprisingly by those who are followers of Jesus. You know, this is what makes certain realities in our life, things we see in our world around us, so tragic, doesn't it? You know, we, we see issues of, 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 of taking the life of an unborn baby in a mother's womb, and it's tragic. We see the senseless murder uh, that, 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 is, that is fueled by racism and fear happen in communities, and, and, and we, we, it's just incredibly tragic. 
We see people who are poor and broken and have experienced injustice in their life, and it is tragic. And when we see humanity take sexuality uh, outside the bounds and the bonds of, of how God it in originally created it to be expressed and to flourish, we look at that and we go, it's tragic, why? Because in each one of those instances, it is humanity taking life away or taking justice away from someone who's made in the image of God. And it is tragic. Because where love should exist, something else arises. You see, it's not politics that makes those things tragic. It's not economies that make those instances and areas of our life seem so tragic. It is because with each of these and with all the tragedies that we experience in our world, even right now in the midst of the coronavirus, what should cause us as followers of Jesus to look at this and be like, this is a tragedy. Why? Because it is the loss of life. It is the loss of humanity, of people who are made in the image of God. You see, Jesus is getting here the story of the Good Samaritan at the same tension that still exists today. And that is this, that love is never convenient. Love is never convenient for followers of Jesus Christ. It is never convenient, but it is always compassionate. Love is never convenient, but it is always compassionate. Look at how Jesus described the, the nature of the Good Samaritan here in Luke 10, Listen to this. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. You see, this sacrificial, surprising love was expressed through compassion from the Good Samaritan. You see, sometimes love is sacrificial because of the action that takes place towards a person. But sometimes it is sacrificial because of who love takes place towards. You see, sometimes love is surprising because of the action that takes place towards a person. But sometimes it is surprising because of who your love takes place towards. You might be familiar with the story of Jim Elliott and Nate Saint. I love this story. I never get tired of hearing about it uh, or even telling the story because it is such a picture of love. It is such a picture of reconciliation in such crazy, uh, who would have thought circumstances. If you don't know the story, just give you a quick little background on it real quick. You can Google it and learn a little bit more if you want to. Nate Saint and Jim Elliott were missionaries back in the 1950s. They got a heart for a tribe of people in Ecuador. And so they flew in, they, they, they began to build relationships over time with, with this group of people by dropping supplies into their community, into their little village. And eventually they landed on a beach, they landed their plane on a beach, they set up camp. Everybody thought things were going pretty good until a morning in, in uh, 1956 when a group of men from the local village came and killed those missionaries. Jim Elliott and Nate Saint were two of those men that were killed. And the man that killed Nate because of, again, incredible love that was expressed and to, towards those, those villagers, the man that actually killed Nate Saint eventually came to Christ. He became a pastor and he became an elder in the local church that was established in that community. But even more surprising, 
Nate Saint's oldest son, Steve, developed a relationship with that man. And in that relationship, there was love expressed in such sacrificial and surprising ways. And it's interesting, the man who killed Nate Saint, who then later became friends with Steve Saint, who became a pastor and an elder in his village, just died just a a month ago or so. And I want you to watch this clip. It's gonna last less than a minute, but I want you to watch this clip of Steve Saint giving a memorial, an honoring of the man that killed his father. Take just a second and watch this clip. A kind, gentle, fun-loving man has just died deep in the Amazon jungles of Ecuador. His name known to millions of people around the world was simply Minkai. He was one of my dearest friends in the world. Minkai and a small group of Waurani from his violent tribe speared my father Nate to death when I was just five. Only those who understand the transforming power of Christ's message could understand our friendship. We will miss you for a while, Grandfather Minkai, but we look forward to the reunion with you that we are promised. You know, why do stories like this endure history? Why? I'll give you one reason. Because of the extravagant nature of the sacrificial and surprising love of people like Nate Saint, Jim Elliott, and his son. Could you even imagine loving someone else in that same way? We choose to love people or to not love people for far less, for far weaker offenses that we experience in our life. But a biblical love, a Christ-like love, goes as far as we need to go to be sacrificial and surprising, to demonstrate that love for others in our life. You see, that love was expressed to you through Jesus. That, that love that he demonstrated on that cross was both incredibly sacrificing, far more sacrificing than many of us would ever be willing to demonstrate in our own life, laying down our lives for someone else. And it was certainly surprising. It still should, as followers of Jesus, catch us off guard, take our breath away, make us go, I cannot believe that Jesus laid down his life for us. You see, you were far from God, but Jesus demonstrated his love for you on the cross in a sacrificial and surprising way. And Jesus loved us and modeled this love for us in our life. Jesus concludes the story of the Good Samaritan by issuing a very firm challenge. In Luke 10, verses 36 and 37, he says this. He looks to the crowd after he's done with with this story, with this parable, and he says these words. So which of these three do you think was was the neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he, the lawyer, said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Jesus concludes this story by offering and issuing a firm challenge, and it's a challenge I want to invite us all to today. It's a challenge that I want to extend to every single one of you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, is to go and to do likewise, not when it's convenient, Not when it doesn't require sacrifice, not when it's not going to be surprising, but to go and to do likewise. 
to be inconvenienced for the sake of love, to, 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 to put yourself in a position where you would have to make a sacrifice in order to love someone else when it's not convenient, and that it might find you, your love might put you in a spot where you could surprise someone in a very catch them off guard kind of way. Just imagine for me, with me for just a moment, if we as followers of Jesus would pick up this one mandate, pick up this one challenge in our life, and, and, and we would seek to do everything we could to love one another, to love each other in this sacrificial and surprising way. Can you imagine how much our world would change? You know, Jesus actually said that if we would love one another, the whole world would know that we are his disciples. That's the power of this this sacrificial and surprising love that we now have the opportunity to demonstrate and responsibility to demonstrate to those who are around us. Thankfully, we as followers of Jesus, we have the example of Jesus in our life. That we don't have to just read it, that it's theory, We don't have to read it like it's just philosophy. We get to ponder on and think about and experience the life of Jesus Christ as it was a reality for us. You see, he wasn't just a good teacher and he wasn't just a good example. He was the embodiment of sacrificial and surprising love. So we get to look to the one who loved us in such a sacrificial and surprising way and take our cues on how to love from him. Just like what John said in 1 John 4, verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Let's pray together. Father, I love you and I thank you that we have the opportunity to love each other. Thank you that in a world of chaos, in a world of fighting and bickering, and and it just seems like so many places that we're just so divided, the call of a Christian, the call of a Christ follower is to step into those moments and to love, to love sacrificially and to love surprisingly. And I pray for every single one of us that whoever is watching this, this video today, whoever's watching this live stream, no matter when it plays, no matter what date in history, would be challenged by this truth and would be challenged by this opportunity to love people in our lives, to love, to love others in a way that is sacrificial and surprising. Jesus, I pray today that if there's anybody that's watching this that doesn't know you, that's never experienced that sacrificial love in their life, I pray today would be the day that they take a step to experience that sacrificial love. They would just confess with their mouth, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, you, I want you to be Lord of my life. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. I don't maybe even understand what all that means, but I just know that I, I need that to be true in my life, and I want to experience that in my life, and I want to follow you. Pray you would give them the strength and the courage to do that today. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Grace Hill Podcast. We really hope you found this message compelling and inviting. If you'd like to connect with someone to find out more about Grace Hill Church, 
or maybe discuss this episode or something else about life or faith, please don't hesitate to reach out to us directly at gracehill901.com. We'd really love to connect and discuss anything with you. And please remember, you matter.